If you have your word with you this morning, you can open to Matthew 7. Um, this morning, I'm so excited to be here with you, and I'm so excited to start this new series. And I know some of you guys are like, but the old series is like two weeks long. Um, sorry, um, it's time to move from that. Um, this morning, we're going to start a series called Unplugged. And uh, sounds weird, right? Unplugged. Um, we're going to talk about how to plug in appliances. Um, it's a very practical church service this morning. Um, just kidding. Um, but the idea from this uh, come from a few weeks ago. We read, we were reading, and one of the verses we read was, um, walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Remember that a couple weeks ago? Um, that Paul instructed us to walk in a manner worthy of the call, worthy of the call that we've received. Actually, says something very similar in um, Philippians, and it's um, to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I think when we hear that, a lot of times what we think is that we have to like live in a way that we can earn the grace that we've already received. And that sounds kind of weird and backward, and I don't really know how that would even work out, but. Um, that's what we get in our heads or we get this idea that we have to live in such a way that God will love us more if we do these things. You've probably been there. Maybe some of you guys are still there. Um, I want to say that's a lie, first of all. That there's no way you can live in a manner to earn the grace you've already received. See, the definition of grace mean, means you cannot earn it, right? And, and B, that God already loves you with everything that he has. There's no way that you can live in a way to earn more love. It says actually in the Bible that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, he loved us with his best. So you see how we kind of make up things that seem to make sense to us, but they don't actually make sense when you compare them to the Bible. And this morning, that's not what that verse even says. What that verse basically says is it's this image of scales, right? Not like scales like you get on to weigh yourself, but these, these two scales, the cups that Lady Justice holds, and on one side you'd put something, and on the other side you'd put something, and the idea is that they balance or they equal out. When he says live in a manner worthy of the calling you've received, what he's saying is live in a manner that makes sense or equals out to or it balances the calling that you have received. And what he's saying to the church in that moment is um, what you preach should make sense when you look at your life. And I started thinking about that, and that, that just started kind of hitting me for, for a couple days, and this series kind of come out of that. See, the reality of it is um, the world calls us hypocrites, right? They look at the church, most of their arguments, it's a dumb argument because you can't go to Walmart and not find a hypocrite, so why not come to church because there's hypocrites there? It's what it is. But what the world notices about us is that we don't always live in a way that adds up to what we say we believe, right? And see, there's this disconnect between what we read, right? Because we come in and we come to church and we're here, amen. Um, and we come in and we hear somebody say these things and maybe we read these things and a lot of times we'll say amen and we'll believe them with everything we got, but there's a disconnect in our belief in our life, and we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks, why that is, and, and, and maybe what we can do about that. And this morning, we're going to do that in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, I'll give you a heads up where we're going. 
um, is, is verse 24, but the problem is verse 24 starts with a therefore. So we've got to go back here in just a minute and grab some context and see what the therefore is therefore. But in, in Matthew chapter 7, what we're seeing is this, this longest recorded teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. It goes from like Matthew 5 to the end of chapter 7, and this is kind of the tail end of it. Sorry, I have a hair or something that's distracting me. Um, and, and we're getting kind of the tail end of it right here. And at the very end of it, if you look at 24, you see this thing that says two foundations or the two foundations, maybe something like that in, in your Bible. And this morning we are going to talk about those two foundations. But the reason there's the therefore is there's actually not just a story of two foundations, but it's two roads or two gates. And then we have two trees. And then we have two foundations and all of this is a continued thought from Jesus and and all these things are just building on each other and you look at that and you're like well why would Jesus say the same thing three times why would he do that and the reason is he he really wants us to get it this morning it's not something that he just wanted to kind of say in passing and hope that we caught on to but but there's some added emphasis this morning in the fact that he told us this story three times so he, he starts in 13 with this thought and he says enter through the narrow gate now, a narrow gate is a gate that's like a small gate. It's not a, it's not a big, wide, huge gate. It's more like a little uh, narrow channel. A narrow gate is a small gate, and it kind of brings in this idea of exclusiveness. It's somewhat difficult already to enter the gate. And he says, look at the narrow gate. Go through, actually, the narrow gate. And then he kind of switches topics, and he says, for the gate is wide. It's a different gate, right? Narrow and wide are not the same. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. He looks at these people and he says, hey, everybody, uh, I want you to know you should enter through the narrow gate. Already looking around, where where is the gate? Um, Because the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. The crazy thing about this is Jesus is not making this comment to a bunch of unchurched people or a bunch of unreligious people. He's not out just kind of in the middle of heathen land preaching this, but he's saying this to the most religious population on the planet. A group of people that thought because their bloodline was, I'm a Jewish person, then automatically I have a seat in heaven. The, the, the definition of being Jewish, right, in, in, their, in their brain was, well, we're all Jewish people, and because we're all Jewish people at some point in time, we're all, gonna be, we're all God's chosen people, and, and we're going we're gonna to get there. It's going to be better for us than it is for everybody else. And he looks at this most religious population on the planet, made of all different kinds of people, uh, for, do all different kinds of jobs, and he looks at these people, and he says, enter through the narrow gate. Why would he feel the need to say that to these religious people? Enter through the narrow gate. A group of people, by the way, who probably know more Bible uh, on the average than most of us, who have come in contact with more church probably on average than most of us, who know the prayers and know who, who to go to for the teaching. These are people who know about religion. And, and he looks at this and he says, hey, I want you guys to know, enter through the narrow gate because the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And then he goes on and he says, Cause th- and there are many who enter in it. Why would he say this to these people? You already can look at that and you're like, man, Jesus, can we do more something more uplifting this morning? I don't, I don't think this is going to be one of those grace, uh, amazing grace kind of things. It is, by the way. And why does he feel the need to say this to these people? Because basically what he's saying here is, hey, look around at your life. Can we just take gate out? Gate is life. 
road is life. We'll just replace all these words with life. Look at your life. If your life looks a whole lot like everybody around you's life, you may be on the wrong road. If you blend in with everybody around you, you may be on the wrong road. It's just a warning that Jesus is throwing out here to these people. Actually, what he's saying here is, hey, the majority of the people on the planet are on the broad road. The majority of the people on the planet are going through the wide gate. And I just want you to know, that gate and that road lead to destruction. That's the path. That's where that ends. That's the end game of that. It it ends in destruction. So I would go through the narrow gate. He goes on, he says, actually, in 14, adding emphasis, how narrow is the gate? Not just now a narrow gate, but it's like, no, it's unbelievably narrow. It's a, it's a tiny little gate. It's like a turn sideways and squeeze in gate. It's a little bitty gate. He says, how narrow is the gate? And then he goes on and difficult the road that leads to life. How narrow is the gate? It's a little bitty gate, by the way, guys. It's not like everybody on, around you is in the same gate as you think. It, it's, an, it's a little bitty gate. And, and, and the road actually is, is actually narrow, but it's also difficult. Man, isn't that crazy? Jesus here admits, just right there, great evangelistic tactic, right? By the way, it's a difficult thing to follow God. It's a difficult thing to live a life that honors God. That's what he's saying right off the bat. Some of you guys are like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. It's so hard. I'm not good at it. And Jesus here is like, no, dummy, it is. It is difficult. I, I said it right here. It's been here the whole time, right? We're like, oh, I can't do this. I'm so bad at this. And it's like Jesus is like, you're supposed to be bad at it. It's difficult. It's a hard road. There are bumps in the road. The road is windy. The, the broad road, the easy road, the, the life is good road. Oh, yeah, it's a great road. It's, it's paved. It's nice. Knox County takes care of it on the weekly. Like, it's good. It's blacktop. There are good lines on it, and it's easy. But at the end of the road, you fall off in, into destruction. That's bad. Doesn't matter what the road looks like. But... Option B, uh, there's a little bitty gate, and there's a little bitty path, and it's a hard path, but at the end of that path, it ends in life. And not only does it end in life, it says, few find it. Few find it. You look at that and you're like, Jesus, that sounds very exclusive, right? What it, no, 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 no. It's supposed to be. And I agree. It is for everybody. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. In John 3.16, what's he say? For God so loved the world, right? That's everybody. You can't be like, God so loved these three people over here and these two people over here and these seven people over here. He loved everybody, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's Jesus, most precious thing in the universe, more precious than gold, silver, diamonds. God spoke those. Jesus was, right? That whosoever, again, there's everybody, right? Anybody that wants to will believe in him, will, ha- will not perish but have everlasting life. The, the message is not, a, is not an exclusive message, but the reality of it is even in, even in the broadness of the message, it's a very exclusive group that actually finds the path. And Jesus looks at these people. There's probably thousands of people sitting around Jesus, and he says this to these thousands of people. By the way, everybody, religious people, holy ones, um, enter through the narrow gate. 
but I go to church. I'm Jewish. I even got my beard, right? Like, I got my, I got my Jewish clothes on. And I know some scripture, I know the Bible, and I, can, I pray. And he's like, but the gate's narrow. But I'd bring sacrifices, but the gate's narrow. But I come to the temple sometimes, but the gate's narrow. Everybody on the hill comes to the temple sometimes, but the gate's narrow. And there are few who find it. What he's saying is, hey, if you look like everybody else on the hill, if your life looks exactly the same as Joe Bob over there and Jimmy Buffett over here, like if your life looks the same as them, there could be an issue. Because there are two roads. There are only two roads. There's not three roads. There's not seven roads. It's not one of those one size fits all, every path gets you to the same place kind of things. There's two roads. There's a wide road. Lump everything you want to that's not Jesus into that road. And there's a lot of people on that road. It's a very inclusive road. It's that coexist road, right? And then there's that little bitty narrow road. And the path is difficult. And this road, the big easy road, the awesome road, the everything's perfect road, that road, it leads to destruction. And this little bitty hard road, this life is difficult road, this uh, it's really hard to follow Jesus road, the, I don't know if I can do this everyday road, that road, right, it leads to life. And just says this out there on the hill. You're like, oh, okay, what do you do with that, right? What do you do with that? But Jesus knew. We were like, what do you do with that? So he goes on, and he just keeps talking about it. He says in 15, he says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Now, this false prophets could be anybody, by the way. It could be preachers. It's preachers who get up and they just spout stuff so people will come to church. It's like, oh, just do whatever you want to. Um, that would be them. But it would also be possibly Christians who teach other people that just everything's okay. And this is what he describes these people as. He says, oh yeah, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You already know that's bad, right? Like you don't have to watch too many Big Bad Wolf cartoons to know. Like that's not a good idea because wolves eat sheep. That's what happens. Uh, and he says there's a wolf disguised in sheep's clothing. He pretends to be like everybody else. He pretends to be one of those Christians, right? He pretends to be one of those God followers. He pretends to be one of those people. But inwardly what he's out for is his own satisfaction. That can be followers, that can be fame, that can, that can be anything, that can be comfort, that can be if I change the message of the Bible, it makes me feel better about the way I live. It could be any of those things or more. And Jesus here warns these people, thousands of people, he said, beware of those people. Beware of those people. There, there are out there right now in places all over the world, out there, there are wolves in sheep's clothing pretending to be one of you guys, but they'll lie to you. That's not love, right? Because they're out for their own satisfaction. They'll kill you if it makes them feel better. That's what's going to happen. And here Jesus is preaching a probably not super popular message. I'll, I'll agree like this morning. It's not like, oh, let's raise our hands. This is awesome. But it's truth, and, and truth is combined with love. See, the, the reality of it is we could all be on the broad road this morning. It would be great, and we'd all be happy about it till the end of the road. But I didn't love you if I wouldn't tell you, right? 
So Jesus is looking at these people who he loves, and he's like, hey, I know there are teachers out there. I know you guys got some of those teachers that say, oh, it's okay because you're Jewish, or oh, it's okay, just keep bringing in the offering, or oh, it's okay, just bring in the sacrifice. There are those guys out there, and they're lying to you. I just want you to know that, and they'll kill you. They'll let you fall off the cliff on the wide road because it makes them happy, and it satisfies them. He says, those are wolves in sheep's clothing. And then he goes on. And he says in 16, here's how you're going to know them because we don't want to just throw you out there and hope you figure it out. Uh, you'll recognize them by their fruit. You can see by their fruit. Let's just actually just tr- go ahead and trade fruit with life, right? You can recognize them by how they live. You can recognize them by their works. Just go ahead and put fruit with life. It'll make everything else in this chapter a little bit easier for us. And he says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. And then he goes on, he says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? That's a real question he's asking these guys. Have you ever went out to a thorn bush and picked off a grape? Have you done that? Um, see, I don't know, um, but I don't think so. I've, I've picked grapes before, but I didn't find any thorns, but I'm not a big agricultural guy, um, so maybe. Uh, but I think the image here is no. Um, and then he goes on, and he says, um, or figs from thistles. Now, thistle is like a spiny little flower plant. It's got like a pretty little petal on it, but, but the rest of the plant's filled with those little needles, and they're horrible, and you step on them in the yard, and you just, you're mad because you didn't see that. See, what these things are is he's saying they offer pretty things. Like there's that big pretty uh, attractant like the flower, uh, but at the end of the day, what they cause you is pain. And he's saying that's the same thing with these people. This is the fruit they give off. They promise good things. They promise pretty things, uh, but at the end of the day, they just hurt you. And he says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs gathered from thistles? And he says in 17, in the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. Every good tree produces good fruit. You're like, thank you, Jesus, for the agricultural lesson this morning. That's amazing. Can we just say that the tree maybe is is the soul? Let's go there. See, the truth of it is, out of, out of the soul comes the works of the life, right? Out of the soul comes the fruit, the deeds, what we see. This the inward man in us, this, this part of us that drives us. Out of that guy comes what everybody interacts with. And he says, man, if the soul is good, right? If that's a God thing, then the life lived out of that will be a God thing. Every good soul, every good life, every good tree produces good fruit. And then he goes on, just in case we didn't know that he was going to do this, and he says, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A dead soul will produce dead fruit. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he's saying, you have permission to look at lives. You have permission. It's not called judgment. It's just called reality. You don't have to go around waving your finger at them. You can just look at it and take note. If, if they're producing bad fruit, they're probably lost, and you probably don't need to follow them. If they're producing good fruit, good works, good life, then the soul is probably good, and you probably can go that direction. He even strengthens that argument And he says in 18, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. It's not a possibility. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Some of you guys hear that and you're like, but I'm a sinner. Amen. Me too, brother. Um, We all are. 
but if that's the distance of your life, if that's like the length of your life, then you might be a dead tree. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, but then he says, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. And some of you look at that and you're like, but I know moral people who are lost. I do too. I know moral people, probably more moral than some of us that are, that are lost. Let me ask you this. Um, can, you, can you be lost and live a God-honoring life? See, we, we, we equate morality sometimes with following God, and the truth of it is we all are pretty bad at the morality thing. And when the rich young ruler come to Jesus and he said, how can I be a good person? He said, there's nobody good but God, right? <laughs> False. Nobody can except Jesus. See, the, the difference in moral and God-honoring is actually a pretty big gulf. If you live a God-honoring life, you will try to strive to be a moral person, but you're not moral because you work really hard at it. You're moral because God is changing you. So at the end of the day, all the credit right goes to God. That's God-honoring. I'm a horrible human being, and I have a wicked, evil heart. Right? The heart is deceptively wicked. It's in the Bible. Look it up. Even if you think you're good, you're not good. The heart will lie to you. And any good that you see in me is a direct result of God working in me. That's God honoring. I'm a good person because I can resist sin. That doesn't actually mean anything. Because in your mind and in your heart, you're evil and you're wicked. You can just control your body better than some of us. And he says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. He says in 19, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Again, right? Revival message. You're like, man, thank you, Brad. Broad road, destruction, bad tree, fire. Man, this is great. I love this morning. It makes me feel really pumped about myself. I'm great today. Hallelujah. Um, but it's truth, isn't it? Even in, when it's hard, it's truth. And what Jesus is saying to us today, and, and you can flip it on other people if you want to, but I don't really think that's what he's doing. I think what he's saying to these people is look at your own life. I don't think he's saying, hey, look at the dude next to you because then you won't have to focus on you. But I think what he's saying is examine your heart. What is your fruit? Does your fruit say that you are, are his or does your fruit say that you're a dead tree? And if you're a dead tree, the end result of a dead tree, no matter what kind of tie you put on the dead tree, the tree is still dead, right? No matter how many times you carry the tree into church, the tree is still dead. No matter how many hymns you can teach the tree to sing, right, the tree is still dead. Morality does not equal God-honoring. Coming to church and singing the songs and hearing the message does not equal God-honoring. Maybe they're part of a God-honoring life, but in their self, intrinsically, those things are not God-honoring. And he says, look at your tree. And if your tree is dead, the end of result is your tree becomes firewood, right? And then he says in verse 20, sorry, the letters are really small. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. 
In 21, he says, and this is like the craziest thing in the Bible to me sometimes. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The gate is narrow. The road is difficult. It leads to life. And there are few that find it. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And what I'm not saying this morning is people will be turned down on salvation. What I'm saying is there'll be people that know the language and have said empty prayers and then lived empty lives who at the end will not be admitted. The biggest lie we've told the church ever in the history of the universe is that if you say the sinner's prayer and you really believe it, that you're saved. Because A, where's it at? find it unless they wrote it in the front or the back before the bible started it's not in yours and b if you believe something there's always something that comes with that follows through with that belief and what he says in this moment, looking at this crowd of religious people, people who know the language, right, who would say, oh, Yahweh is God, who might wake up in the morning and say, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Those people. He's looking at them and he says, not everybody that knows the language is getting in. Not everybody that shows up to temple and brings the sacrifices and goes through the motions, not all those people are getting in. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, but only the one who does, there's an action word, look at that, the will of my Father in heaven. That only the one who does, right, the will of my Father in heaven. Not only the one who said the sinner's prayer. Did you read that in yours? Because if you did, burn that Bible, it's not there. Not only the one who really, really, really believes it in their heart, but never does anything about it, doesn't say that, does it? Not only the one who knows how to sing the songs and come to church, it doesn't say any of that, does it? Only the one who memorizes the whole Bible, it doesn't say that, does it? See, here's the disconnect, right? Because somewhere in there, we've decided that it means, oh, we just come to church and we do the stuff and we go through the motions and at the end of the day, it'll all be okay because we said that prayer one time. And we will amen everything that's said. And we will really, 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 really believe everything that's said. But see, there's a breakdown because our belief never really moves into action, does it? Does it? Only that one time, right? I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe I'm lost, and I believe hell is going to be a horrible place. So I'm going to move, right? I'm going to have some action. And I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to say that one prayer that one time, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm either going to never come to church before. There's a world full of those people, right? Or, or I'm going to just come when I feel like it. There's a world full of those people, right? Or I'm going to come all the time, but at the end of the day, everything that's in here, I don't really want to act on. I won't. And to those people, thousands of them, he's saying, the gate's really small. The I pray to prayer gate, it's a big gate. But the I'm going to Jesus gate, that's a, that's a little gate. The I come to church gate, oh brother, that's a big gate. There are a lot of people who go to church. 
but the I'm going to heaven gate, that's a little gate. I've been baptized gate, right? That's a big old gate. Everybody gets dunked. But the I've been washed gate, that's a little gate. And there are few people who find it. Why? Because we think our sole duty, right, our sole responsibility, our sole response to the grace of God is, I'll do some church stuff and I'll say some prayers and I'll sing some songs. What's crazy to me is every one of us, every one of us, right, when we say the prayer, God, thank you for saving me. I give you my life. I give you my road. Oh, we replaced that word, didn't we? I give you my fruit. When we say I give you my life, we mean really nothing by it. This is something we say in passing. Oh, I'll come to church. Oh, I'll say the songs. Oh, I'll do the thing. And Jesus is like, nope, I want everything. I gave everything. I want everything. That's the response, right? That's the response to grace. I'll give you all the grace but the response to I have received all the grace is I will give you all the life. And he says these kind of people, right? These kind of people are on the, on the narrow gate, on the little gate. Um, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. In 22, he actually goes on, he makes it deeper. It's a grace message, right? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. There he goes again, the language. These are religious people. Hallelujah. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Look at that. We stood up and we spoke in your name, God. That's more than just showing up, right? We drove out demons in your name. I've never done that. I don't know that I want to do that, but I've never done that. That's beautiful. Um, And do many miracles in your name. I've seen him do miracles. I've never actually done any. Um, And this is what Jesus says he's going to say to those people. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreaker. Bam. Like That's like the toe, right? Let me just rewind that and tell you today's because we don't have those, none of us are going to say those things when we stand before God. But I went to church. I know all the songs. I have 72 Chris Tomlin CDs. <laughs> K-Love is one, two, three, four, five, six on my radio. I read the whole Bible four times. I memorized it. And these are the words. I want you to hear it. Then I will announce to them, this is Jesus, right? I never heard your prayer. Does it say that? It says I never knew you. What a personal word. Not, oh, you never said the prayer, it didn't get through, I'm sorry, somebody should have warned you, right? Not, oh, man, I never got that, and your church never faxed me your perfect attendance records. I never saw that. 
not, oh, I, I, I could not hear your songs because I was surrounded by angels in heaven. I just, I didn't know. What he says is, I never knew you. What a personal word. It's, it's a relational word, actually, right? To, to know people is more than I know your name or I, I know what you did yesterday or I've seen you at the Walmart before. It's, it's this personal word. And what to know someone is, is, is to have a relationship with that person. And what Jesus is going to say to those people is, depart from me. You never wanted a relationship with me. Depart from me. You, you, you never got to know me, and I, and I never knew you. There was never a relationship there. You, you did the motion. You did the church. You did the songs. You did the, the reading. You did all that stuff, and I saw that, but it was all in vain because you never at the end of the day wanted me. Oh, sure, on your dead tree, there was a little bitty old shriveled up Bible reading thing over there, and there was a little bitty shriveled up old rotten I come to church thing over there, and there was a little bitty shriveled up over there, nasty looking, falling off the tree, moldy, um, I, I prayed the prayer thing. There was all that stuff on your tree, but it was all bad because the soul was bad. And yeah, I heard the prayer. Oh, God, I'm a sinner. Oh, God, I need a Savior. Oh, God, I give you my life. But you never meant that, did you? What you meant was, I really don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to live on easy street for the rest of my life because I'm never going to invest anything in following you. I'm never going to invest anything in getting to know you. I'm just going to show up sometimes so I feel good about myself. I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm going to sing the songs, but I don't really care about you. And these are the words. I warned you, the gate was narrow. You didn't care. I warned you, the trees were bad if the fruit was bad. You didn't care. I did everything I could to say, hey, it's about a relationship, but you didn't care, and here we are, and it's late now. The narrow gate thing, that was grace. I'm trying to get your attention. You're lost. Let me put some grace on that. You're dead. Let me put some grace on that. You aren't following me. Let me put some grace on that. See, grace and truth, they join together. And truth is sometimes hard, but grace is always easy, right? And he says, you have the freedom, right, to do what you want to do. You have the freedom to march down this road as long as you want to march down this road. But if you're on the wide road, the end is death and hell and the grave. And I don't care how many times you said the prayer. If your life looks like everybody else's life, it doesn't matter how many times you said the prayer, doesn't matter how sorry you felt about what you did, here's the reality of it. You were a dead tree and you were on the wrong road because you never wanted me. It's not you didn't want church. You might have came every time, but you never wanted me. It's not you didn't want to sing the songs, right? Because who really cares about that? That you never really cared about me. And at the end of that, what he's going to say to those people is, Depart from me, I never knew you, lawbreaker. Therefore, that's where we're going, right? Took a long time to get there. <laughs> Therefore, or because of that, because there's a little big gate, because the road is hard, because there's very few that are going to find life, because there's a whole lot of dead trees in the same orchard with a whole few live trees, right? Because at the end of the day, Jesus is going to say to a lot of people who know the language and who have been to church, depart from me, I never knew you. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, that's all of us this morning, that's a, that's a wide gate kind of thing. 
And here's the disconnect and Acts and puts them into motion and does something about it and responds. All those people, right, on them will be like a sensible man, a smart man. Look at that. Here's our intellect. Who built his house on the rock. Let's go ahead and take house out of the way and just put life on there. Because there's a narrow gate, because there's a whole lot of bad trees, and because some people are not going to make it in. Everyone who hears my words, that's all of us, that's the big gate category this morning, and here's the narrow, and acts on them, and responds to them, and does something about it, more than I said a prayer, more than amen, more than hallelujah, more than I believe. All those people will be like a sensible man, a smart man who built, who constructed his house on a rock. Now that sounds like a really good idea, right? There's some firm foundation on a rock. The rock is not going to be moved. We have a song about that. Um, the rock is, is a good place to build a house. There's another house we're going to talk about in a minute. It's going to be sand. If you've ever been to the beach and like stood in the water where the sand is, you know you don't want to put a house on that, right? Sand is very movable. Rock, not so much. Sand, shaky. Rock, solid. He says, everybody who hears my word and they act on those words is like a smart man, a sensible man who builds his life, his house, on a firm foundation. I'm on a solid place. On a rock. It goes on and it says, When the rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house, not just like it sprinkled, but like, man, this was a storm, right? Yet it didn't collapse because the foundation was on the rock or the foundation was solid. They built their life on a solid thing. See, the reality of it is storms are going to happen. Amen? You've been around very long. Storms are going to happen. Tomorrow there'll be another one. If not, maybe a week from now. But you're going to go through a storm. Storms are part of life. Life is hard. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you are. Life is difficult. It's going to be. There are good things about life. There are more bad things about life. It's just the reality of it. This is a fallen, broken world that we live in. But it says that we have this opportunity in life to build our life on a solid place. And that solid place is hearing the word of God and then responding to the word of God. That we can be more than religious people, we can be followers, right? That we can be more than, oh, I come to church people, we can be, oh, I want to go to Jesus people. And he says that we have this opportunity to do this. But it says everyone who hears the words, look, big gate. Same thing, right? Everyone who hears these words of mine, oh, I heard them, but didn't act on them or doesn't act on them. Now, this can still be the amen people. Amens don't really cost you anything. It's just like a word that you say, and maybe somebody looks at you weird, but grand scheme of things... We're not plugged in yet. There's belief, right? Great, hallelujah. And there's life, but those two things don't connect. 
And he says, everyone who hears my words but doesn't act on them, they will be like a foolish man. I don't need to definition that one for you. I think you got it. Who built his house or he built his life on the sand. And it says, and the rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded the house. Look, it's the same story. But it collapsed, and it says, and the collapse was great. Again, look what we got, destruction. This destruction at the end. See, the reality of this story is all these people are living their life, right? Yes, thank you. All these people are living their life. All these people go through the same storms, they go through the same challenges, the rain is the same, the, the, the shaking is the same, right? the pounding of the house, it's the same, it's just life, it's part of the deal, it's part of the game. It's the same. But there are like two options for life. One option for life is, I'll just do my thing. Now this option can be, I don't need Jesus, I don't want Jesus. That can be the I don't do my thing. But a lot of times it's not just that. It's, oh, I go to church. I'm there every time. Every person that Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, is going to first come and say, Lord, Lord, right? All the other people know. I, I didn't think it was real. Okay, this is bad for me. But they're going to be a, a giant section of people that come up and they're like, Lord, Lord, hey, Jesus, it's me. You know, like, you, you got check the list again. Go back. I'm, I'm in the bees. Go over there. It works for me the same way because my first name and last name are both the same, but you get it. Um, but I'm in the bees. Go look over there. Mm, no, I, I, I checked that. You're, <laughs> you're not in there. But I went to church. No, mm, you're not in here. But I said that prayer that one time. No, but, dude, I'm looking at the list and you're not in here. There must be some mistake. I preached. No, but you're not in the book. Oh, there must be some mistake because I knew all the songs. All I listen to is Christian music. <laughs> That's true. Um, that, no, but you're not in the book. It doesn't matter. I read the Bible every day. It doesn't matter. You're not in the book. Oh, but I, you know how many times like I stood up and I told people about heaven? It doesn't matter. You're not in the book. Oh, I, I gave my life. I'm going on somebody else's story now. I gave my life as a missionary in blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. You never gave your life to me. So depart from me, I never knew you. All that falls in the category of the sand. Right? Every single one of those falls in the category of the sand. But there's a rock. You can build your whole life on that. And it can look just like this. I'm a sinner. I mess up every single day. I've screwed it all up. Um... But man, I, I love you. I, 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 I know you saved me. And I spent my life like getting to know you. I went to church. It was okay. Right? You don't have to like it. I know all the songs. I listen to country music on the car. But you were like my desire. I, I did my best to read. I read not because I wanted to memorize a bunch of stuff, but because, like, I want to be pleasing to you. 
I know I'm a horrible Christian, whatever that looks like. But I know I'm going to heaven because I found your grace. And then I just wanted you. That's the rock just as much as I prayed a prayer and I love you and I went to church every time and I love Christian music and man, I gave my life to be a missionary. That's the same. Because see, at the, at the heart of it, the fruit, right, is, is the difference. Church fruit can be on both trees, right? I've cast out demons in your name. Church fruit can be on both trees. Song fruit can be on both trees. I read the Bible, fruit can be on both trees. This tree was dead because this tree was passionless about its pursuit of Jesus. Oh, I got my roots dug into something, but it's not him. This tree was alive because this tree's passion, its desire was, God, I want to know you. Because at the end of the day, what does he say to these people? Depart from me, you didn't go to church enough? No, he never said that. Depart from me, you didn't know all the songs? No, he never said that. Depart from me, you didn't do enough Christian stuff? No, he doesn't say that. He says, depart from me, you never knew me, you never took an interest in getting to know me, you never fell in love with me, you never wanted me, I was never your passion. Lawbreaker. See, the reality of it is we look at morality like that is the measure of our relationship with God. Some of us are like, oh, I'm so lost because I keep doing all this stupid stuff. I do stupid stuff too. It's not a reflection of your lostness. Look at building. It's not an overnight process, is it? There was a man who built his house on the rock. Well, that's board by board, nail by nail. And some of you guys, maybe you started building a week ago and you got like two or three blocks laid and that's okay. Houses don't pop up overnight. And then there was a man who built his house on the sand. It's, it's a process. But at the end of the day, like what's the fuel for the process? That's what we're trying to get to today. All the bricks can look the same. All the boards can look the same. All that stuff can look the same. But here's the reality of it. And here's what Jesus is saying. If there was never a passion or a desire for me, you can go to church your whole life. And at the end of the day, you're done. Because it's a wide road. Church is a wide road. This is not hard, by the way. If you have a hard time getting here on Sundays, this is not hard. It's not. Right? At the end of the day, is that pat on the back from Jesus worthy? It's not. It's really not. The hard road is, man, I want to follow Jesus. That's the hard road. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Can I just put that out there? I got saved when I was 11 years old, and I know without a shadow of a doubt, I was saved, and I lived like a, a dummy for, lived like a dummy on the sand, right, for 10 years. I gave my life to Jesus. And I was saved, but man, I was really confused a lot of the time. And then when I was 21 years old, uh, after about three years of seeing people that were passionate about Jesus, I had no idea what was going on. I'd go to church camp and they'd be crying and I'd be like, what in the world are you people crying over? Why do you have your hands up? Why are you shouting? Why are you jumping up and down? I do not understand this. And what really started happening in my heart was not, man, I should raise my hands more. It was, what is wrong with me? 
I don't know why I don't feel like that about him. So I started thinking, am I lost? Am I lost? Am I lost? Anybody already there with me this morning? Some of you guys are like, I'm so lost. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. I don't know. I can't tell you that. Only God can. But, but I started thinking, am I lost? Do I not know you? And I'd get down and I'd pretend like I was worshiping. And I'd be like, externally praising God internally. I'm like, dude, if I'm not saved, you need to tell me right now. Because I don't want to be lost. And I'd get up from my self-righteous, I was praising you, trying to hide what's going on in my heart thing. I'd get up from that and nothing changed. Next year I went back, same thing. People crying, I'm like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) I don't feel that way. I don't understand that. I don't get all that. I don't know that. And what didn't happen was, man, I wish I I was more charismatic. I wish I just, man, I wish I could just raise my hand. I wish that was me. That didn't happen. What happened was you obviously know something that I don't know and you feel something I don't feel. And if that's him, like I want to know him. And I did the same thing. Here's the mistake. I'm going to be a church person. Outside, oh, everything's okay. Inside, I'm probably lost, and this is horrible, and I don't like this. God, if I'm not saved, save me. Prayed the same prayer. Nothing. Next year, I went back, and every night, right, I'm like trying to pretend like I'm worshiping, but I'm really like, man, I'm a scumbag, and I need you, Jesus, and I don't know what's going on, and Last night, this guy stood up. I don't know his name. He stood up and he's like, if you need to come pray for anything, it's like one of those all-encompassing prayers. You want to announce your call to ministry? You want to get saved? You want to hope you win the lottery? I don't know, just for everything. Just come down here and pray. So I come down there and then self-righteous me again, right? There was a guy here. I didn't know the guy. I still don't know the guy. And I prayed, I bent down. And I'm like, oh, I'll pray for you, random stranger. And I prayed, God, if I'm not saved, I need to know right now. It's like the height of brokenness. Three years in, right? Three years of I have no idea, I have no idea, I have no idea, I have no idea, I have no idea. Three years in. God, if I'm not saved, like, you need to tell me today. Like, I, I don't want to play anymore. Like, I need to know. You need to tell me. If I'm not saved, I need you to do that right now. And he spoke back. It's weird. It wasn't like that audible thing, like everybody in the room looked up. But it was like I heard it thing. Um, and he spoke back. And he said, it's not that you're saved, it's that you don't know me. You don't know anything about me, except for the cross. You know that thing happened, and you know the tomb happened, and you know that I'm coming back one day. But if you died today, you would go into eternity, and you would spend eternity with a guy that you don't know anything about. And the reason you don't feel like them and look like them and act like them, it's not because you're lost, it's because you don't know me. Why don't you read your word? And it was like, Why did I never think of that, right? Why did I never think of that? So I did. Not with the intent of I'm trying to earn something, but God, I want to know you. See, those are two different motives and they equal two different results. And in that place, right, that is the place where he takes you to. I'm going to take your belief. I'm going to take your life. And I'm just going to put them two things together. I'm going to plug you in. And can I just say that is the place where there's not so much of this. Am I lost? Some of you guys wonder that probably weekly. Am I lost? Maybe. 
Or maybe you just need to plug those two things together. Maybe we need to quit saying amen if we're not going to do it. See, the reality of it is all of us know enough about this Bible that if we left here today, we could be completely different people with the help of, with the help of God if it was important to us. So the question becomes, why is it not important to us? And what's the fix for that? See, there's only two realities here. One, it's not important to us because we're lost. Could be. I'm not trying to talk anybody into something today, so don't automatically go there. But B, maybe it's not important to us because we don't know him. We just know about him. They both really look a lot the same at the beginning of the process. See, my greatest fear is that that we could build a church in this place and it could be an amazing place and we could have thousands of people and that this message could still be the same because it's thousands of people that are very passionless about God. And see, the fear there is when you're passionless about God, when, when he's not the pursuit, you don't really know if you're saved or not. And this morning, uh, I feel like maybe we should just ask ourselves that question. If we're not passionate about God, what's the reason for that? If we're not pursuing God, what's the reason for that? If we're not plugged in, what's the reason for that? Is it because we don't know and then follow through with action, or is it because we're lost? And if the response is, no, I know I'm saved, I've just never pursued. You can change that today, right? You can do that with the help of God. You can do that. And if the response is, I'm lost, through the grace of God, you can also change that today. See, the invitation is a wide invitation, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's an everybody invitation, problem is the gate and this morning you can you can pick that part let's pray